0: Good evening, everybody. This is George, N2APB, and Joe, N2CX, welcoming you to chat with the designers, your live online interactive monthly magazine for hams, homebrewers, and experimenters across the Fruited Plains. We are really pleased to be here again on the air with you uh, here on uh, the internet radio called TeamSpeak with tonight's topic of frequency, something as near and dear to our hearts, integrally involved with all of our operating practices on the air, of course, and uh, specifically, the topics of accuracy and stability as we would be using them in the ham shack. We're gonna be talking tonight of, uh, probably about our, our, our typical format, our typical way of doing things, uh, our time-tested formula here in episode now number 73. We've had 72 prior episodes on different technical and or operating or and or component type of uh, topics. And uh, that formula talks a little bit about background, Talks a little bit about types of equipment or ways, uh, techniques dealing with the topic of interest. And then uh, we have a project that really focuses on principles that were discussed during the program in a very specific way that is fun to build, that is useful to use there on the bench, and something to really draw you in and be illustrative of of the principles we're talking about, so that too is tonight's uh, formula, and we have a really really cool project. We'll talk about that a little bit downstream, and uh, we think that you're going to enjoy that. Before we get into that, just a, a brief background um, on kind of what's been happening. We restarted the chat with the designer program earlier in the year, I think in the January or February issue, and then uh, kind of announced some directions with respect to the SW30 plus project and things that we're going to be putting in motion and wanted to give a quick update on that specifically, too, because ultimately that still is in motion. So if you are questioning, you know, like what happened to the Elmer 101 series and the uh, step-by-step buildup of the project, and most importantly, from many's perspective, uh, the kit availability of the SW30+, plus reintroduction of that, that is all still in progress. Both Joe and I, coincidentally, were interrupted by um, medical issues in that time period. We sort of had to take a bit of a hiatus relative to taking care of ourselves. But we are back online now, healthier in general to speak on these different topics going forward. So we're I for one am, am pleased to be back. Joe, are you uh are you uh ready to rock and roll as far as being here with uh chat with the designers again?
1: Oh absolutely yeah um hello all glad to be back. Glad to be um in good health and um uh, able to um uh, able to participate and uh to run these darn things again. Um it's unfortunate but uh you know life happens and um you deal with it, and uh, you go on. But uh, we're back, and we're back uh, jumping in with both feet.
0: Yep, indeed. In fact, I think better, uh, more, but healthier for, for the most part as well, too. So this is good stuff. And we really missed it because uh, the, the what we really enjoy and get out of this, and hopefully what everybody else does, too, is gain a little bit more insight to the techniques and, and principles behind what we do and love doing it with uh, ham radio and we like building so that's a very practical aspect of our watering hole here so um with that kind of a background i wanted to set the stage for what is happening going forward and fundamentally i am uh, i've been ordering the parts and it's not yet complete for the sw 30 plus so that's still ongoing and we estimate that it will probably be not next month but the month after which would be october so we're looking for october uh episode of chat with the designers is when we're really Going to launch the the, uh, SW30 Plus uh, project in the Elmer 101 series, and at that time the kits will be announced and uh, available as being available and orderable, such that people here on the chat with the designers will be able to order the kits and actually build up the first part in in preparation for the first episode about that. So that's that's kind of the plan there, but the time between now and then is focusing on frequency, and uh, there's a lot to focus on if you. We've taken a look at the whiteboard for tonight. Okay, from uh, uh, let me just elaborate a little bit more then. Um, we're going to have a very cool project. We're going to work to that point of talking about it here in just a few minutes. Um, first, we're going to be introducing and talking about uh, the topic of frequency in general, kind of a background theory of operation for typical frequency counters and so on. It might sound kind of mundane, but it's it's really cool. So, Joe, with that kind of uh, background and stage setting, maybe you want to kind of lead us off and talk about uh, measuring frequency, maybe some of the history and background, uh, and uh, how how's it done?
1: All right, thank you, George. Yeah, well, um, it is it is very interesting. Um, I've had the good fortune of um, getting into ham radio when frequency control was um, was uh, much less sophisticated than it is now, and uh, has grown up. Um, and I've, I've grown up and gained knowledge over the years on how to do it and how to accomplish things. Um, yeah, I just want to say, starting off, that uh, hams are particularly um, um, intrigued with frequency. And, in fact, um, at one time the ARRL had a bumper sticker that said, hams do it with more frequencies. And I suspect that was before um, the tenure of Kay uh, K Craigie but, uh, as the AWRL president. But anyway, uh, we all deal with uh, our transmitters and our receivers. And uh, frequency is very important for um, actually knowing where we are, making sure we uh, transmit on the frequencies we want, both um, so that others can find us and uh, communicate with us, and, of course, to keep, uh, keep in tune with the uh, FCC regulations to um, make our transmissions be uh, within the boundaries that they give us. Frequency counters are a particular means of measuring these frequencies, um, and as the name implies, um, they, the very original ones uh, dealt with just measuring uh, cycles, cycles per second you had a uh, a box that sat there and looked at a um, looked at a signal and uh, counted the number of cycles that uh, transpired during a given period um, for example if it was uh, um, if you gated the thing to look for and count the cycles for a millisecond you'd get a resolution of a kilohertz if um, if the count was a second long you counted cycles for a second you'd count within a hertz or one cycle per second um, that was a conventional counting these days there are other methods um, to to um, uh, get better resolution on the frequency, particularly at low frequencies, something called uh, reciprocal counting, where you actually look at the um, uh, you look at multiples, you look at a cycle from um, one zero crossing of the sine wave to the next, and you measure the the time it takes to do that, and then if you invert that mathematically, um, you invert that period, um, you get a frequency, and um, depending on how many, uh, depending on exactly how you do it, you can at a lot higher resolution of um, frequency measurement, particularly at uh, lower frequencies. And uh, there's some very fancy techniques used to do this. We have some uh, references and there's some text um, in the uh, in the whiteboard that goes into this. Um, it's a very handy thing, uh, particularly when you're dealing with uh, um, audio frequencies or lower frequencies, to get the resolution to better than a hertz, um, which might be extremely important. Um, and indeed, uh, frequency resolution, frequency accuracy and stability that count help us uh, measure. can be very important. Um, you know, most uh, most signals on the air, uh, you don't have to be really fussy with. Um, with CW, you want to be probably within 100 hertz or so, 100 cycles per second, so that um, you get the right beat note. For single sideband, uh, probably uh, 20 or 30 hertz. Um, accuracy is uh, required to minimize the Donald Duck sound of some of these voices. Uh, the older modulation schemes, FM and AM, weren't quite so fussy. But these days, particularly, particularly, particularly with uh, some of the weak signal techniques such as Whisper 65 and uh, some of the other fancy um, digital um, schemes, frequency accuracy can be extremely important. So it's it's a good thing to be able to measure it um, very closely. I'm delaying here a little bit because I'm just looking on the list. um, Some of the um, business on reciprocal uh, frequency counting was brought up by, um, I forget his name, Alan. Brain's not working. George, can you fill it in? George who? Or Alan who? Yeah, it's Alan
0: Wolkey, W two A E W, or uh, yeah A E W. And Alan is a frequent uh, uh, participant here on chat with the designers. In fact, Alan, um, even in this uh, episode and in our whiteboard here tonight, um, often contributes um, tutorials, video tutorials from his YouTube channel. And uh, Alan had contacted me and said, uh, "Be sure to point out reciprocal frequency counting techniques as an alternative or as an alternate way." That uh, designers put together schemes for measuring frequency alternate to the to the uh, gate uh, the gate uh, timing method uh, that Joe's mentioned but Alan's not here I don't see him here but that's okay I mean we have a plan there there's really good explanation from that one website uh, and I captured a a summary of it in purple on the web uh, on our whiteboard so you can go to that kind of detail um, if you happen to be thinking about gee how is frequency counting normally done and you sit and count the number of cycles that go by or measure the time and invert it and that's uh, just a simple way of, of stating that but joe you know something that i often um when i when i kind of got started into the uh, into the i call it like the second level of understanding of ham radio you know like um frequency uh, I call them attributes as far as stability and accuracy and precision uh, people use those terms somewhat indiscriminately at times yeah I know that you are a very precise kind of guy and you cringe every time that that I or somebody else might use the wrong word in the right in the wrong context but maybe you can kind of give us a guide for um, what those are in relation to our normal usage not just what it is but maybe an example of, of that particular attribute as we might experience on the radio or on the air
1: all right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, in Alan's absence, uh, certainly what we have on the whiteboard has uh, some detail on the reciprocal counting. And uh, there is a good reference there provided by uh, Alan. So uh, for those interested, you can read up on it. Um, yeah. Frequency attributes. As I mentioned, uh, being on the right frequency can be very important. Um, those of us who buy rigs try to buy rigs with the, um, the best stability. Those who homebrew them uh, get into a, a world of um, interesting things and in trying to uh, maintain stability. I'll talk about stability first, which means having a um, frequency that stays very um, very close to where you want it, doesn't drift with time or temperature. And I'm um, not going to go into great detail, but there are a couple couple things that are important when you're building uh, frequency control devices. Um, first of all, you probably want something that um, um, is either a very good LC oscillator or an, uh, probably better as a crystal oscillator. You have to worry about things like uh, temperature coefficients of some of the components, um, using good, um, as George mentioned, NP0 capacitors. Um, and indeed, um, if you're trying to temperature compensate things, you might use uh, capacitors with different temperature coefficients to stabilize them. Um, and uh, when you're dealing with crystals, you have to operate the crystals at the right um, temperature because many of them have particular temperatures where they're the most stable. Um, in another lifetime, it seems, I worked with uh, uh, I worked for Pulsar Time Computer Incorporated, who uh, uh, I think they actually came to market with the first um, uh, digital uh, wristwatch and um, we had uh, crystals um, quartz crystals in there that had a flat spot um, of of, uh, frequency versus temperature um, just above room temperature so that uh, it was kind of a compromise between the body heat uh, where the the, uh, user would wear the thing and room temperature so that um, it stayed uh, the most uh, stable it could and in fact some of the uh, watchmakers would uh, tweak things figuring well, maybe you wear a watch um, 12 hours a day to, or so, and you have it the rest of the time sitting on the uh, on the counter. So they would tweak the things just a little bit off to get the uh, the most stability. But indeed, uh, frequency uh, stability uh, is is quite important. We'll talk about that a little more when we talk about um, um, very stable oscillators in uh, the project section at the end. Now, accuracy is um, how close you can get to a desired frequency, and we have we have some numbers here. Parts in 10e6, which means um, parts. per million. Uh, One hertz in one megahertz is one part per million, um, which is a good figure of merit and that's usually the way uh, we talk about things like that. Um, There's also a a thing called precision, which is how many digits. You can have precision without accuracy. Um, You can have a frequency counter with um, 12 digits, but if the darn uh, time base in the frequency counter is is only um, stable to uh, say uh, one hertz in um, a megahertz and you're trying to measure uh, more stable Able frequencies than that, um, the other digits don't mean anything. So accuracy is how close you are to a given frequency. Precision is how many digits are you measuring it with. And uh, as I always like to point out, George knows precision without accuracy is meaningless. It's fine to be able to uh, um, to measure something to within a tenth of an inch, but if you've got a, um, a yardstick that uh, is sloppy and it's an inch off, being able to measure than a tenth of an inch on something that's inaccurate, then uh, doesn't mean much at all. And of course there's um, we won't talk about it much. Maybe George will a little bit later. There's uh, noise, um, particularly phase noise, which um, can give problems with um, um, frequency measurements. If you have a noisy signal, it can be difficult to measure to, uh, to very good precision, high accuracy or precision. And indeed, uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of good work that's going into um, trying to uh, maintain low phase noise. Has another um, another attribute in ham radio that's uh, very important. Um, you want a low phase noise oscillator. Oscillator, transmitter frequency source so that you're not generating noise that splatters all over a ham band and interferes with other people. There have been some um, particular, uh, not in ham circles so much, but there have been, um, there was a time when some of the European broadcasters who deal with um, transmitters in the hundreds of kilowatts um, had some fancy new transmitters that uh, were very, very noisy. They had a lot of noise sidebands, poor phase noise, and they were wiping out some of the other signals. And uh, it was a while before they regulatory. Facilities, regulatory agencies got around to uh, making them clean up the rack. But we can, we do, can that do that on the handbands too if we have uh, sloppy signals. Um, <laughs> uh, ah, yes? Um, I was just going to comment on
0: the phase noise thing, Joe, because I think, as, as you know well uh, from our from our communications over the past months, um, I, I've been on a particular jag as far as, as really getting to know as much as I can within my limits of, of one thing or another. And it always it has always puzzled me or intrigued me um, about the term phase noise. And again, many hams use this rather indiscriminately, the term phase noise, especially as we're talking about some of the uh, the newer digital oscillators that are around. Uh, um, uh, DDS chips um, are, are, are one example of, of uh, where we say, oh, this that chip has a lot of phase noise, or this has a less phase noise, and less is probably better, you would think, and, and probably is. Uh, there's a new chip that came out Oh, within the last year, um, called the uh, the SI 5351. Uh, is that the number, Joe? Uh, the three the three VCO uh, uh, sorry the three oscillators in one package from Silicon uh, uh, Siliconx products.
1: Silicon Labs. Yeah, I think that's the number. Um, my dyslectic nature gets it screwed up, but it's something like that. Um, the older one, the SI five, I'm gonna screw that up. I think it's 5570 was much cleaner. Um, the newer one with uh, three outputs is handy but um, man the phase noise is uh, not quite as good and under some conditions if you put that on the air you can cause problems
0: absolutely and i think that's the point i wanted to bring up i mean we all listen to a number of, uh, or read a number of lists, list serves, newslet- um, uh, email lists, and oftentimes is discussed the the, um, the spectral purity of a given product or component. And whenever anybody mentions this three um, oscillator ver- on, on a chip uh, version from Silicon Labs, they, they mention that the phase noise is not as good. So anyways, coming back to my point is as I really got down and dirty and reading everything I could, making a fabulous collection of reference materials some of which are located here on this web, uh, on our whiteboard. Um, but equally important was how to measure it. I, Joe and I are both of the uh, of the belief that it ain't real until you can measure it. So saying that, uh, you know, this antenna is doing a great job, I talked to Japan yesterday, it really doesn't have much merit or value other than an intrinsic, oh, gee, that's cool. But if you can measure your antenna performance, if you can measure your signal output, if you can measure the phase noise of your signal, um, one can speak with more clarity and definitive nature about that. So I, I took off on a jag to Learn more about that, and uh, even even going as uh, to, to the root of looking at the ARRL Labs uh, techniques and procedures for measuring it, as you would read in QST reviews you know, of equipment. And uh, as it turns out, I'm kind of short circuiting a little bit here, but as it turns out, I have some equipment here in my lab that I can configure in a way that I did not know I could that will actually automate and or, uh, measure phase noise in an automated manner. And I was just tickled pink is that I could measure my DDS60. I I could measure my SI fifty three seventy I could measure um, an LC oscillator, which by the way, if it's designed really well, is almost the purest of, of types of uh, uh, phase noise oscillator uh, that you might be able to produce in your in your shack and it was just something as simple as uh, you know, just a, an inductor and a capacitor and and your little amplifier with feedback. So um, I went through all of that and really got uh, tight with noise and phase noise. And all of this comes to the topic that we have here tonight of, of frequencies and oscillators that generate, you know, the frequencies and the phase noise that is associated with uh, uh, with everything. And we're not going to get any deeper than this, but you can. It is quite, uh, uh, quite fascinating to understand how phase noise does impact uh, the spectral signal that you are generating and uh, things that you can do to measure it, to reduce it, to minimize it, to to compensate for it um, and those are the things that we're really going to be talking about especially in our uh, in our chat with the designer project uh, a little bit uh, in a few minutes when we get to it okay um with that in mind or with that uh, now in hand I wanted to transition to the cool projects uh, what we call as the cool projects portion of the program and here we take a sampling of uh, cool projects and show a little bit of, um, illustrate the points that we've been making thus far, in this case about measuring frequency, and also give links um, and background information about the uh, some of these things as how they're used, how they're built. And we'd like to give good tips uh, to, uh, to listeners here as far as like what you can do to do it as well. What you can do, for example, on this cool project uh, that's in section A, Under frequency counters, there's a first cool project um, uh, from uh, EI9GQ, which is a heck of a call sign, by the way, if you put that in capital letters. But anyways, um, um, I forgot his name, but he he designed a really cool simple frequency measurement uh, equipment that was done with uh, a PIC controller, microcontroller. And you, too, can do it because the design is all online. The source code is online. Uh, I'm not sure if the uh, the PCB is online, but, Joe, you know, we did something kind of similar with our friend uh, from the NJQRP, Mark Phillips, uh, G7LTT, and um, uh, he kind of spearheaded a similar type of con- uh, uh, counter project. Uh, isn't that right?
1: Indeed, it was. Yeah, it was a, it was a very simple pick Um extremely simple. I think it may have been even been a club project. I just resurrected mine um, back a month or two back, uh, just to get something counting. And um, the only thing that uh, the limitation that uh, got to me, well, got to me. The limitation that uh, made it less than 100% useful for or my purposes was that it only had a resolution of uh, 10 hertz. I was trying to measure some stability of some. Uh, uh, oscillators and uh, 10 hertz resolution was a limiting factor, but for many purposes in the ham shack was just fine.
0: Oh, absolutely. Kind of to paraphrase uh, uh, Dirty Harry on uh, one of his sayings, and it truly is a paraphrase here. So work with me on this. A counter's got to know his limitations. So something along that line is that you got to know what you've got in the form of your equipment in order to know how to use it to count frequencies in this case. Um, but you know, for a simple, low-cost way to measure. In this case up into the vhf and UHF range with the prescaler it's it's kind of fun to build something and actually use it and uh, uh, that's where a lot of us get the thrill from now the next item on our list here that we show is uh, for lack of a better name is called the ebay frequency counter we don't know who did it when they did it why they did it how they did it or the details of it but both joe and i and uh, let's see is dave here um 7 jt no he's not oh he is dave is here so dave has one of these things as well. It is a way, way cool frequency counter. As you, as you can see, it's got eight blue digits, that, and it's got a microcontroller in there that is uh, through two buttons that sometimes are mysteriously uh, functioned behind them. You can control LED intensity, sampling rates, um, uh, sensitivity levels, uh, IF offsets, and all of that. I think on the order, Joe or Dave, was this about like 15 bucks off of eBay?
1: Yeah, on that order. Not bad. Not bad. Less than 20 for sure. Um, a real bargain
0: oh bargain is to say the least I'll tell you I got two of them if If it works works. I got two of them and one worked (laughs) so um, but that's okay I mean at this at this point here um, you'll see this in operation if you haven't yet Kind of dialed down and previewed the page. You'll see a video with poor audio, but nonetheless, you'll see a video that uh, I recorded uh, using the frequency counter, and it is just—it's a frequency counter with great stability, with great uh, accuracy. And this is all I can say that because I've measured both on it in a, in a confident way at, for my lab, anyways. And uh, you just uh, feed the signal to it. It could go on top of your your boat anchor. It could go on top of your QRP rig it could uh, do you could do a lot of things with that so the link is there uh they still have some in stock uh highly recommend getting it and maybe if you buy two one will work and that's okay because i'll figure out what's what's wrong with the the one that didn't work and get the and it looks super sexy i'll tell you this is this is very very cool dave uh dave oh i'm sorry carl did you have a question?
2: Not a question, just a quick comment about the uh, frequency counter. I've bought several of them. Um, had no luck or no problem with any of them not functioning. But one interesting thing I noted on the ones I acquired was uh, the input mark. They give you those uh, little red and black leads that automatically plug on to the uh, two-pin connectors there. And on the input side, the ground was actually the hot side and vice versa. So something to watch for. Uh, like you said, they work great. They're uh, reasonably priced. Uh, You've got to watch out for the input markings there
1: on the uh, cable.
0: That's a great point, and you can actually see that. In the photographs that I use, um, that I put on the on the whiteboard here on our on our breadboard, the VCXO breadboard, uh, what uh, Carl is referring to is that the input sensing the input to the frequency counter has red and black cable uh, wires, and the red is actually the ground, and the black is is a positive signal. A byproduct of of cost efficient reuse of the cable. They've got one cable that plugs in, in both ways, and uh, or for both uh, the power and the frequency it doesn't run into a pro you don't run into a problem until the common the ground of both the input and the power supply might be connected together where you will find out pretty quickly that that something's not working and no that was not the cause of mine not my first one not working but good point you always have to watch out for the deals and that was a puzzlement to me when i looked on that and saw the back uh, color coding the next item we show there um, oh somebody else
1: uh, just questions. Does it come with any documentation?
0: Uh, There's some online j- documentation. There's also a, a QR code that you can, uh, or QR code that you can scan if you have got the ability, and it downloads a manual. That is what we lovingly call, uh, I don't want to be politically correct. But it's Chinese English. I mean, it's it's not described too well at all, and it's rather confusing. So if you're interested, or if you have one, or if you want the manual, what Joe and Dave and I have been doing is <laughs> kind of decoding and. Up, uh, clearing up all of the functions that we think are available, and I've got a document that we can forward to you. So that, that's, that's kind of good. Now item number three is a frequency counter um, that I have here on my bench, and of course we're talking about things mostly here that we've used, have, or have tried, um, and I'm giving you some, we're giving you some good recommendations here. Now this thing here, the uh, HP5328B, is not your average run-of-the-mill kind of uh, fluke DVM or a small DVM, a handheld multimeter or something, although those would be a good thing to picture here too but uh, I wanted to point out this one because it's also used a little bit later in the program pictured in our our, in our tests is a frequency counter or what's called a universal counter that can do a couple of things really well now it's listed I gave you the eBay listing for that and it comes up as something like several thousand dollars don't be turned off by that because I got mine for like $150 at uh, at Joe what was the ham fest uh, that we went to that I got this thing at two or three years ago
1: Is that Timonium? I don't recall. I don't don't remember which one.
0: That was it. It was Timonium here in the Baltimore area. So um, I got this thing off the floor and he um, turned that on and had a test signal and it works So I figured, well, sure. I took it home and wow, it was really cool and has worked ever since. The cool part about this, as I've listed there, is that it can measure time between pulses, so between two edges that are kind of close, which is really nicely suited for measuring uh, measuring phase differences is, is a simple way to say it for now. Um, obviously, it's got great measurement resolution. Joe, we didn't talk about resolution, but it's a little bit obvious. but still still it's it's got good resolution, and the cool part is that it's got an external um, clock a reference clock input on the back side so instead of using the onboard time based clock, which in itself is pretty good uh, it, it measures pretty pretty well um and I can stick in a very good a very good uh, known good ten megahertz uh, reference clock and thereby get a very good um, signal um, measurement uh, frequency measurement on on those displays and that's that's cool for a variety of reasons that if not not apparent i will point them out a little bit later on but that kind of flexibility is just very very nice and uh, I would urge you to oh yeah the third a third really good point is i've come I've come to appreciate the value of having an hbib sometimes it's interchangeably called the GPIO parallel bus on the back of some measurement equipment. There's some cool uh, software and adapters from a guy called Ke5fx. He is also referenced here, an incredible measurement and time frequency guru, uh, time nut as uh, as we call them, and he's developed a really really good software package for the PC that's able to automate some measurements, um, like I mentioned, the phase noise measurement before. So um, I'm able to measure, in this case here, stability, frequency stability measurements, to come up with uh, a certain attribute of, of uh, frequency measurement, stability measurement. Um, well, I won't talk about it right now, other than to say it's ADEV, A-D-E-V, or Allen, oh shucks, Joe, what's it called? Allen deviation?
1: Uh, You know, I got a mental blank. I I think that's right.
0: Yeah, it's called ADEV. Um, Let's go down now, Joe. Why don't you kind of introduce and take over the WWVB receivers? Just as early as uh, this afternoon, or recent as this afternoon, who was it? Um, Jim, NI5B, was asking me some questions about this. So I was explaining things to him, the value, the benefit of using WWVB. And then especially, if you would mention um, the, the popular, uh, but no longer available, CMMR-6P-60 module. So what would you do with those modules, and how would you use WWVB?
1: Okay. Yeah, thank you. That's That's been something I've played with over the years quite a bit. Um, National Bureau of Standards, I'm sorry, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, um, has some time stations on the air, time and frequency stations. We're all familiar with WWV, I think, on the uh, on HF, but uh, they also have some stuff on um, LF. Uh, WWVB at 60 kilohertz is out near uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. And they transmit um, a a signal with a very, very um, accurate, uh, very stable uh, frequency source that uh, can be used uh, as a frequency source and also as a time source. Um, You you hear uh, the term, and I'll I'll use quotes around it, atomic clocks, um, which has other meanings, but uh, you can buy clocks that are synchronized to WWVB that um, give you very accurate um, time. And uh, you don't have to worry about setting, you don't have to worry about them drifting. And um, if you're in a right place here on the East Coast to even work here. Works better farther west, but um, I have one on my wall in my uh, living room that works quite well. There have been several sets of kits, modules that um, have been available over the years. George mentioned the um, one very popular one was available from DigiKey for a while. It's no longer longer available, unfortunately. But there are others that um, have a small loopstick antenna. Imagine that little loopstick antenna and you're receiving an LF signal from uh, halfway across the country. That's a a um, little PC board, and um, these things generally um, will give you time code pulses that you can use for time uh, resolution. Some of them also have um, an output on 60 kilohertz that you can use to synchronize oscillators in your shack. is um, one shown here with a link that is available um, for purchase uh, outside of the uh, European Union for um, 7.95 pounds. I've not uh, sprung yet, but I'm going to, to buy one just to experiment with. Very, very simple thing, and um, you can receive time with it, and time is um, intimately involved with frequency. Um, there's also, uh, we have a link, or not a link, but a um, picture here of a uh, another decoder display that uh, has some detail about how to decode the signals from uh, WWVB and to uh, display it on a uh, liquid crystal display, and there's a URL for it also. It looks handy. I'm not sure what the time module he used there is, but I'm sure that the, uh, the one available from, uh, from Europe is um, uh, available from Europe but not in Europe which blows my mind. Um, I'm sure that would work in uh, in this uh, project as well. Um, We have another topic oven controlled crystal oscillators. Um, First guy we mention here is um, Hans Summers who is a uh, a Brit who has an enormous number of things on his website. We have a link listed here. One of the things is very very interesting. He has an oven controlled oscillator and synthesizer uh, section on there which uh, um, which is quite interesting for um, uh, very stable frequencies and uh, and indeed um, how to how to get them and how to do it yourself um, was pointed out to us by uh, JJ uh, uh, whose call I forget right now Joe Jessen who happens to be on here uh, JJ would you like to talk about uh, Hans Summers um, oscillator uh, oven controlled XO and synthesizer and uh, in general about Han Summers well must have him when he's not there. Did he duck out?
0: Uh yeah, I don't see him logged in anymore, so he must have lost his battery power. He was he was worried about that.
1: Oh my. He he needs to get some lithium batteries going. Well, at any rate, I won't go into detail on it. and um, The link is there. Um, Hans is a ham, but he's a ham. I suspect he's an engineer as well. He has some very, very detailed projects, some very, very good projects. And he's come up with this uh, oven-controlled crystal oscillator and synthesizer that um, is dead simple. It's something nearly anybody could build. He's been interested in doing some whisper and some weak signal work, and in fact has some modules, um, some transmitter modules. And I suspect that um, his, his work came along with Uh, uh, in line with that so if you're interested go to his website to the link we've indicated on the whiteboard and uh, you can find far more detail and maybe even duplicate it yourself george we we, um, um, we've uh, been working on an oven controlled crystal, so do you want to talk about that a bit
0: hey ray is did you have a comment Nope. Maybe it was just a, v, um, a PTT uh, um, exclamation. Um, yeah, I, I do, Joe. I want to talk about that. And but before we leave the WWVB topic. Um, I wanted to make a distinction that somebody had gotten a little confused or at least they asked me offline about it. Um, we've talked previously about WWV, you've mentioned it, and it offers the, you know, the standard, uh, time signal transmission at, uh, 10 megahertz pretty accurately at that frequency and also some other information that's encoded into that. And they also have an audio signal that, uh, that announces, I forgot what it says for WWV, but as Ken just pointed out in a, in a moment ago, uh, CHU is another time standard frequency from Canada here and much more readily receivable here on the East Coast. And you would recognize, you know, uh, you know, you know, click, click, click. And it would come on with the voice saying, CHU, Canada, 21 hours, 59 minutes, coordinated universal time. Well, anyways, it would in those tones it would have encoded information. Now WWVB Joe also has it has it had maybe still has AM encoded information, but it's just recently gone over to phase encoded information. Could you and that and the second project that we had listed there is actually uh, a pick that takes the tone from the, such a, a WWVB receiver and decodes it. What kind of information is included in there, Joe?
1: Yeah, I don't think this. Well, I, I really honestly have not looked at this um, WWVB has historically had time codes which have uh, time of day um, down to uh, the second and of course uh, calendar information um, month year day info in a uh, digital format in AM and just recently as George mentioned uh, gone also to a simultaneous um, phase shift format um, and still compatible with the AM but uh, the phase shift format is easier to uh, decode when the signals week and provides the uh, the same information time um, and calendar information in in a digital format, a digital format. and that's what the technical uh, decodes there um, um, One of the reasons people are are hypothesizing that um, many of the uh, WWVB receiver chips have gone out of fashion is that uh, the manufacturers may be going over to using the phase format, phase shift format for decoding instead of AM. So they're trying to clear out their existing stock and uh, quite possibly we may may have some uh, new and unique um, better receivers uh, coming out that decode the uh, phase information as well. All right.
0: Um, That's great background. Thank you, Joe. And by the way, we often ask for questions. Don't normally get any, or we get few. But does anybody have any questions about these things? Please just tap your your PTT button so we can see your blue light turn on on the the screen, or just shout out if you have a question along the way. So um, let's pick up the pace a little bit. I want to be sure we get to the project and give it due due time because it is, like, way cool. But anyways, as Joe led into, um, he and I have... uh, Oh, just to suffice it to say that we we like measuring things. We like test equipment and whatever we like to do. We like to do it beyond whatever a multimeter, you know, the seven dollar ninety nine cent uh, multimeter might offer from Harbor Freight. So um, there's this uh, there's a technique called ovenizing or controlling the temperature of, of an of a, of a clock, such as what Hans Sommers did in the in the project that we just spoke about. Um, When you temperature control um, an oven or or a crystal oscillator inside an enclosed space, it's typically called an oven or you're ovenizing and controlling the temperature and therefore you call it an OCXO, Oven Controlled Crystal Oscillator. On the market, these things are very um, uh, stable. The professional or commercial, good commercial units are used inside uh, expensive equipment, and especially uh, such signal sources that are used for controlling cell tower um, cell tower communications and other types of uh, measurement uh, and test equipment. Uh, the Trimble um, module, as you can see pictured in in this section that we're t- speaking of here, is a, it's about oh, I don't know two inches square by about an inch tall. Uh, is such a Module. you supply it uh, 12 volts you supply it uh, ground and the output you get the uh, you get an output frequency and then you have a control voltage or a VC um, voltage uh, control voltage input typically from zero to 5 volts or so um, sometimes more um, but the crystal oscillator inside that module is uh, compensated for and controlled in a temperature controlled environment such that the output signal, is extremely uh, stable and ultimately one is able to adjust the frequency the the, the exact frequency um, that you want and have it stay there by means of you know applying a control voltage so joe and i got our hands on an ebay um, um, a couple of ebay used units of the trimble 34134-t uh, which was available for like 15 bucks and uh, we tried them out and hey it worked and it's still working so uh, we we, we built up a little case there just a simple case to to hold it all together and indicate when the power is on nothing fancy but when it's on for any period of time well when it's on for you know anything more than like a certainly an hour or more it is a really stable signal source so it's a poor man's way to get really really good stable um, 10 megahertz frequency and if you can measure the uh, that 10 megahertz frequency very accurately and adjust the control voltage by means of a little pot on there that you would put and tweak it and monitor the frequency tweak it again and change it, and uh, over a period of time, you would get that to be as accurate as you need it to be, as, as, as accurate as you can measure it. So this is a little project that, that we did, kind of as a lead-in and augmented our bench, and uh, found it to be of, of really, really good value. And you might ask yourself, what could a frequency standard that has that's pretty precise, what could you do with that on the bench? How would we hands use such a stable frequency? Why would we want to have a good 10 megahertz frequency standard? Joe mentioned a couple of items, uh, a couple Couple of reasons up above, but Joe, could you recap
1: that? Sure. Um, As as George mentioned, uh, a good reason to have one if you have a frequency counter is uh, you can get some very, very good measurements, very accurate uh, measurements that use the precision of your counter. Um, And indeed, uh, in some of the digital, the weak signal digital communications techniques that are used these days, you need very, very stable frequency sources because they do things like uh, they use techniques such as uh, correlation and time averaging to uh, to get uh, a of very narrow bandwidths that requires very accurate uh, very stable frequency sources and uh, these time bases these oven controlled oscillators and such are uh, good ways to use in your shack uh, to derive uh, the frequencies you're going to use for very stable uh, transmissions for the um, uh, for these uh, low signal uh, coherent uh, communications techniques a lot of words but um, if you're doing things like um, Jt65 and uh, to a lesser extent whisper and there's no Another JT uh, technique, JT9, I think it is. They need very, very stable, very accurate frequency control, and um, with these uh, stable oscillators let us uh, let us tweak and uh, get the control we need.
0: Yep, indeed. And um, using it for digital modes, using it for a feed into frequency counters, so you can use it uh, to end up with a really accurate frequency counter with corresponding accuracy that reflects back to what your uh, reference clock has is uh, of immense value if you're uh, if you want to know where you are if you want to know what you're measuring, it, uh, kind of thing. Um, the next item there, item three, talks about the L Pro 101 Rubidium Standard, 10 megahertz reference oscillator. Um, again, during my uh, my recovery period uh, from my back surgery in uh, in the springtime. Um, Dan, do you have a question? Okay, your your vox was tripping, I think. So during my recovery period, I had a lot of time to kind of surf the net and remember maybe only a third of what I was going through. But that's when I really got into um, digging deep into the issues of frequency standards and so on. I had previously purchased off the Internet an L-Pro 101, which is a popular uh, used piece of uh, um, signal generation uh, oscillator uh, using a rubidium uh, tube as the excitation for... Uh, ultimately controlling an in embedded uh, or uh an oscillator VCXO that's included in the box. So the output of this is a really good and every time I say really good, very good, um, there are numbers to back up such things and um, uh, it it wouldn't be of great value to be talking about it but you can really research into it to find out how really good, really good is. But it's a a really accurate uh, 10 megahertz signal source and there are a couple of great references on the internet about how to do this. Um, I mentioned just before the show that uh, Clint, K-A-7 OEI, a listener right here today and a regular listener of us um has a has a has a website that discusses how to package one up uh the benefits and drawbacks of it um how you deal with it and how you use it um a really good web page i urge you to take a look at that um same too there's a Tapper document, TAPR document T A P R um, document that uh, that addresses the same kind of thing. But for like $175 or so, you can get yourself a rubidium standard, which in the scheme of things is better than an OXO, OCXO, and, but not quite as good as a cesium clock that comes down from, or uh, the, uh, uh, the cesium-based timing that comes down from the GPS satellites. But I wanted to point this out because in the next section, where I say measurement and action, I actually have pictured the uh, a portion of my bench that is dedicated for the time, accurate time and frequency-based uh, uh, work. And I've got that Trimble OCXO um, up on top of my Rubidium Standard, the Alt Pro 101 packaged up in that longer, uh, the, the, the beige rectangular package with the keypad and display on front. And that is all sitting on top of the HP5328B that we talked about uh, a little bit earlier. So bottom line, and you can almost see it or envision it, uh, uh, the rubidium standard, the middle box, the long beige middle box, an output, one of the eight, uh, one of the six outputs, I take and feed around to the back of the unit, uh, the back of the frequency counter below, to serve as an accurate clock going into that HP counter. Now, the Trimble uh, OCXO up on top, the little box that Joe and I made up, is up on top, and I feed that output down to the input of the frequency counter, thus being able to very accurately measure the frequency of the OCXO. Uh, I don't know at what point it was measured, but its stability, or I mean, it's uh, it was being measured at, oh, Joe, do you know, do you remember, let's see, if that's a kilohertz reading uh, point, um, is that like um, 40, I mean, uh, 38 hundredths of a hertz less than, and 10 megahertz, so it was like 0.038, 0.0038, less than
1: 10 meg. Yeah, I think it was, um, oh boy, 1037, something like that, which would be um, a thirtieth of a hertz, on oh, that order. Yeah, I forgot
0: what the actual settings were there on the on the uh, on the unit, but anyways, it was like almost 10 megahertz, and it was pretty pretty darn good, pretty darn close enough for like 99.9999% uh, of the usages that we have here on the bench. But if ever there's a way to want better uh, accuracy, um, there's always a way to go about doing it. There's always a cost. But here, what we show in the show, <laughs> what we show here on the chat with the, with the designers episodes are practical, cost-effective ways to achieve really good performance, at least here in the in the frequency uh, measurement area. Um, the next item there in this section is the zero-beat oscillator. Uh, Alan is not yet with us uh, tonight, but Ellen has this really good uh, uh, video, an interesting video that shows how he takes the beat frequencies from a test. Um, is that what he's doing, Joe? Joe? Is he's taking the, he's measuring the beat frequency ultimately to determine um, the accuracy, uh, an accurate setting for his uh, uh, transceiver using WWV as the incoming signal.
1: Yeah, he's zero beating uh, to uh, to uh, um, compare it to um, WWV to uh, to uh, tweak on to tweak it on frequency. At uh, five or ten megahertz.
0: Yep. So if ever you know you've heard us talking about, or you heard people talking about you know, use WWV to calibrate your, um, your receiver or your transceiver. Take a look at that video and that will be a good illustration of just how to do that. And it's uh, really quite straightforward. And, um, uh, um, I think you would find it uh, useful. Now this brings us to our final, um, section of, of the program of the, of the webpage. And here's where we are introducing the, uh, what we call the CWTD or the chat with the designers project. Um, overall it's called the GPS disciplined oscillator. Um, which is a very 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 good uh accuracy and stability um um, oscillator. Why do it? Well, because you can. And uh, that's that's this philosophy that Joe and I often have. Sometimes you do good enough on the bench. What's good, What's a good enough uh, measurement, uh, especially for hams and quick and dirty measurements are oftentimes do the job. Other times it's, it's really fun and useful at times to really, really do a good job in, in doing a measurement or creating a stable and accurate oscillator. And that's what this project sequence is um, intended to do. Um, when you get a chance chance, and you've probably already done it, but uh, give a listen to uh, the video that, uh, a quick video, is like, I don't know, just uh, less less than a minute or two, and it illustrates that uh, the principles of uh, the GPSDO, the first phase of the GPSDO, which is called the VCXO, Voltage Controlled Crystal Oscillator. I won't go into a step-by-step of the bigger picture, because we just want to focus right now in this episode on the VCXO, a Voltage Controlled Oscillator. You can read about the GPSDO, and we'll talk about it more in depth in a in a, maybe next uh, maybe next time. Certainly the, the the third installment of this for this project. But in a nutshell, we take the GPS signal uh, that you can you can you can um, you can get a GPS receiver like for 15 bucks uh, off of Sparkfun. We're going to recommend a really good one for for like 15 dollars uh, called the NEO 7M N E O 7M. Dave and AD7JT and I have experience with that one specifically. Exactly. We're ultimately going to add that to here, but first we start with the VCXO, uh, which inherently is is really unstable relative to temperature and and, uh, initial settings of the crystal and whatnot, but we can control the voltage of it, um, of that oscillator, um, and then ultimately uh, put an oven control around that to control the temperature and thus provide a nice stable, unchanging, to a certain degree, unchanging temperature environment, and ultimately then synchronize that in a phase-related manner. some call it a phase-locked loop, as we will, um, with the GPS signal coming down from the satellite, which is a cesium-based accurate signal. Um, We we take the one pulse per second uh, signal coming down and use it to compare phase of the ultimate VCXO that is oven controlled, which means it's an OCXO, and then that output of the OCXO is matched to the um, exact phase of the signal coming down from the satellite and thereby ultimately the output of this whole gizmo is going to be a, an equally stable and equally accurate uh, 10 megahertz signal. So the, the breadboard project ultimately is uh, taking that, that uh, the printed circuit board in the middle uh, which happens to be called the crystallizer. We we took the crystallizer from an Atlanticon project uh, several years ago which again is a it's, it's an N2CX design that we uh, we productized and had as a kit at the Atlanticon QRP forums back in 2005 and had a ball with it. We described some of the ways it was used here in the web on the whiteboard. But bottom line is that we've taken it and we have substituted NP0 capacitors and a couple other little changes to uh, the components used on it, such that it can and will become a very stable VCXO um, that you can adjust with. It's not overly abundantly clear, but the control voltage adjust, let's see, is there a picture of this thing? Oh, yeah, the picture of it down to where I described phase 1 VCXO in kind of a cyan uh, highlighted color is much clearer. I was looking, I was squinting at the, uh, the, video, the picture of the video. So the control voltage adjust is a trim pot, and if you adjust that trim pot while monitoring the output frequency, you can, you can move that VCXO to be exactly 10 megahertz, 10.000.000. 000. 000 two um is I think what this one is showing or maybe seven two it's hard to see with these LEDs in the photograph. Now uh, what we've done is may create a little breadboard like this, and I guess we're kind of um, Joe. We're, we're saying that we're encouraging chat with the designer people to to do this same thing, to kind of follow our footsteps here and have some fun along the way by making the uh, what's shown there is a crystal the crystalizer VCXO, or now we're calling it the chat with the designers VCXO with the with the NP0 components and some small mods. We're making that available to uh, just about at cost actually to uh, uh, CWT listeners here, Joe. Do you think that's uh,
1: a good description of what we're doing? Yeah. yeah. We're, uh, for those who want to get their hands on and uh, actually play with something and see uh, see what affects what, kind of a neat way to, uh, to get your hands dirty in a relatively inexpensive way and uh, play along and um, um, have some fun while you're doing it as opposed to just buying some fancy module off the shelf and uh, not knowing what goes on inside. Question. Yes, sir. Uh, you're going through
0: three phases here, is the GPS disciplining such that you can only discipline a signal which is
2: enormously accurate to begin with and take it the, the last mile, as it might be said? Uh, or could you actually GPS discipline a rather unstable uh, oscillator uh, like the VTXO uh, and skip the, the whole oven set?
0: choice of words is really important in this case here because I think the initial accuracy of the what's shown here is the crystallizer VCXO is probably not that uh, um, well actually it's a combination of it all but the answer is sort of yes Um, it helps when you're disciplining i.e. when you have a phase lock loop that's uh, comparing the one the very accurate one PPS one pulse per second signal from the GPS board Uh, when you're using that signal to discipline or control um, the VCXO so, um, it helps immensely when the v c x o is very close to being um you know on target on and, you know very close to ten megahertz to begin with um frankly, I don't know others might be able to comment more intelligently about uh you know how far away from the target. Uh, frequency can the original VCXO or this is going to really going to be the OCXO when we phase two add an oven to this thing maybe something like Hans Summers um, oven if he's got enough of them we can get a deal on it perhaps but um, when the v, when the GPS signal is trying to discipline an OCXO um, it's a matter of how well your phase lock loop parameters or how your phase lock loop parameters are set there's all sorts of uh, um, factors relating to component selection to loop uh, Uh, loop delay um, that determines how well or how long it takes a phase lock loop to to bring um, an OCXO oscillator into uh, a disciplined, accurate state. Does that make sense?
2: Well, while you were thinking, I was thinking about it, and if the GPS disciplining only occurs once each second, then you have to have an oscillator that would be stable enough during that one second period to not drift significantly.
0: That's a good point, and it's all in selection of your phase lock loop uh, uh, parameters again, including how much you, you divide down that 10 megahertz signal at first, because you would come to what, what you've astutely um, identified, Rick, as like an, uh, a, a phase, um, an overlapping type of phase comparison. You might be comparing comparing to uh, every two cycles, for example, of, of the of the target frequency. So again, for this discussion here, um, I think suffice it to say it should be pretty close. When we come time to talking about uh, the GPS disciplining, which is also referred to as a phase lock loop, um, we'll we'll be talking about things um, at at that at that level. Still not super detailed, and certainly no equations and such. Um, but probably using a chip that's commercially available, that is the phase lock loop chip. You would be adding some resistors and capacitors, um, and then ultimately the output of that uh, uh, phase lock loop components that would feed the control voltage of, in this case, the crystallizer, and uh, that would bring it under control. But that's a great observation, and it's all kind of intertwined and, and, and such. So, uh, But that's the plan, is that we'll have a three-step, a three-episode um, achievement of this particular goal. And maybe unlike some of our other projects that were thought to be or wanted to be uh, three stages or three phases and ultimately get to a completion state, then, but they were left at phase one, this one is going to go through because we are just really interested in it, and it's fun now mike asks um in the text area how can you order the vcx uh, the crystallizer vxo board which we're calling now the, the chat with the designer vcxo um right right after the show probably all things considered tomorrow morning mike i'll have the link up there and uh such that you or anybody else we have plenty of boards and kits available for this we kind of prepared for this uh this uh show by getting things in order a characteristically, um, and um, we can ship uh, like almost right away. So um, the the price of this thing is like. I don't want to quote an exact number. I'm not, I, I haven't looked at it exactly, but it's almost like uh, uh, $7.97 plus shipping. I mean, this is, this is like very cheap. It's a simple circuit, as you've seen. Nothing but a bunch of uh, uh, resistors, capacitors, a couple of transistors, a regulator, and a cool device called a uh, uh, varactor, um, a variable, a voltage variable capacitor, uh, capacitor diode of Uh, Joe, a voltage variable capacitance diode. Is that the right one? That's it. VVC. Okay, VVC. We've got a VVC in our VCO. Um, And that's what it consists of. So um, we'll be ready to to ship that. So if anybody wants to really kind of build this thing up and play along, we encourage you to do so. We will have other goodies along the way such that if you have and or can show us or demonstrate or Uh, Anyways, want to play along and build this thing up. We've got some other goodies that can add to the pleasure, double your pleasure, double your fun um, in uh, phase two. And uh, we'll have to wait a little bit longer for that to come about. So long story of starting off measuring frequencies and kind of coming up to this project. Joe, can you maybe uh, ask for questions and then take us home?
1: Sure. Um, I'm sure there's a million people out there with questions. Who uh, who wants some questions? Who has some questions, wants some clarification? Uh, maybe we can uh, tickle your fancy a little bit. Feel free to ask. Either we've um, dazzled you with brilliance or baffled you with um, some extra tour material. At any rate, uh, thank you very much for uh, participating tonight. We've, uh, we've had a, a, a discussion on a topic that's near and dear to our hearts, uh, both as hams and as uh, experimenters, George and I. Uh, we've talked about uh, frequency, about frequency sources, the importance of uh, having good frequency sources, um, ways to think about uh, their importance, how to characterize them, how to measure them, and uh, ultimately um, we've come up with a project that we think will help folks come up with a, uh, a good, stable frequency source, stable, accurate and stable frequency source that um, will be the uh, subject of a uh, an ongoing project here on Chat with the Designers. Uh, to get your hands dirty and uh, to actually play with um, some of the techniques we're talking about here and um, put in practice some of the uh, some of the theory we've glossed over to uh, come up with a good uh, good stable frequency source yourself uh, something that's uh, close to the state of the art at least uh, for ham radio um, once again thank you very much for participating please um, please refer to the um, the whiteboard um, keep a link for it or look on the chat with the designers webpage and indeed other um, some excellent references there. We haven't had a time, haven't had any time to talk about them. There's some great references to uh, dig deeper into the subject matter. And uh, within the next week, uh, I'm sure George will be doing a uh, podcast. He'll be um, encapsulating uh, the audio that came with this. Uh, that uh, has transpired in this session and um, the um, oh shucks the um, uh, the chat window that uh, uh, goes along with the uh, Teamspeak session, so that you can see some of the byplay that we've while we're doing this um, final question any any final chance any questions or uh, anybody want clarification go ahead Pete uh, yeah
2: uh, you uh, this is not a question this is some uh, explanatory material here uh, somebody brought up the subject of Clockit, which is a company that is local to me it's about an hour away from here And I drove over there uh, last year, and just to have a nose around their their retail store, their outlet store, and so forth, I discovered something that was incredibly useful. It's not directly concerned with with this, but for any kind of uh, people who use battery-operated clocks, uh, they had something that they did not advertise. I did not know existed and so forth, which is why I like going to stores. Uh, they have what amounts to a UPS for a battery-operated clock, and the way it works is that there is a little plastic cylinder that contains a AAA for a battery, and this plastic cylinder connects to a wall transformer. And the upshot is that this continuously charges the battery and, of course, uh, runs the clock whenever it is plugged into the 117-volt circuit. Uh, should the circuit fail, of course, the battery will run it for some period of time. They said three days, three weeks, whatever, depends on the clock. They also make a C-size battery. I've never seen a, a clock that took a C-size battery, but I guess there are some. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made it. These things are 10 bucks a piece, and uh, I think they're terribly useful. I have two of them uh, running in the ham shack and have been for, like I said, a year. Uh, keeping these uh, atomic clocks, atomic analog clocks running. And as some of us realize, they're kind of a pain to reset every time you change the battery. It's not the cost of the battery, it's the pain to reset. So that is one way of solving a problem uh, nicely and neatly. So that is my contribution tonight.
1: Very good, Pete. Yeah, having just gone through the uh, business for the dang uh, so-called atomic clock battery having died and uh, having tried to reset the dang thing and having had to wait, um, I can appreciate that. I'll, uh, I'm not sure where here is, um, but uh, I'll certainly check them out on the web, and uh, um, I'll query them about that uh, battery backup thing. Sounds good. Ah, I see the link. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, i Ben going to
2: They're in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is uh, an hour west of here. Uh, Here being, uh, uh, at the moment, Kenosha, Wisconsin.
1: Okay. Rick, uh, you had a question or comment? Uh, No, it was an accidental question. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I think we're going to close it here, gentlemen, uh, unless someone else has uh, any more questions or uh, discussion. Uh, Last chance. Okay. Nothing heard. Um, Very good. Thank you all for participating tonight. I hope you show up next time, and uh, we'll try to to dazzle you with our brilliance once again. 7-3.